There are two things which history proves capable of bringing people together. The first is common idealism, and the second is a common conspiracy to crime. If America's second coming isn't brought on the back of idealism, then it will come in the form of the greatest crime in our history. Populist patriots realize that from the infamous globalist cesspool of corrupt conspiracy, nothing can come but harm to America. We know that two things alone will save us. First, the end of globalist corruption and exploitation of America, and the cleansing of those members of the political class who owe their status to perpetuating this exploitation. Only the most ruthless and unforgiving account of our political class, the bringing of these leftists to justice and the eradication of them from our institutions once and for all will allow the restoration of our great nation. The second is that there must be an American government with the courage to declare foreign interests not in the interest of America, and the terms of our globalist agreements need to be totally abandoned in favor of total renegotiation. Then we will see if the globalist political class can turn 250 million Americans into their subjects. If cowards cry out, but we have no manufacturing of our own, that is but a small challenge in the face of the alternative total subjugation of our nation to the will of globalist elites. When the whole American people knows one will and one will alone to be free, in that very moment we will have the instrument with which to win our freedom. The will of the people any American who looks into the eyes of an American child can see that the challenge ahead of liberating America from global dependence is but a small pain in the face of the ever-growing despair our people face and the doom for which we leave our children no alternative. Today, we know that America is one-third heroic, one-third cowardly, and the rest traitors. As a condition of our freedom and respect to the globalist interests and the interests of the exploitative political class, we would first cleanse our domestic leadership of any leadership lacking in the courage or conviction to make right what has been so wrong. The present two-party system has failed in that effort for what was meant to be a dynamic system of accountability manifested in a single-party system of deception and conspiracy. There must be an American reckoning for those who for years have led us into their criminal exploitation. The domestic fight must come before America can stand a chance in the face of the globalist threat to our national sovereignty. The reckoning will come when those who say we are proud to be American and those who do not wish to be American or who are principally American in name only. The populist patriot movement is opposed by the leftist political class who cries our democracy is in danger. Their democracy is indeed in danger, and how long do they think they can maintain such an anti-American state of things? Populist patriotism has manifested organically without any election in mind, but with only the salvation of our country in mind. The task of the America First movement is not to prepare ourselves for any election for the House, the Senate, or the West Wing, but to prepare for the coming collapse of America itself, so that when the fall of this faux American empire inevitably presents itself, then populist patriotism remains standing. We are the supporters of a second American coming, a rule by populist reason, of populist energy, of American conviction. America can be saved only through action, when through our movement the blindfold is stripped from the eyes of every American. It is from our movement that redemption will come to America. This today is the sentiment of millions of Americans, and they are adopting a new patriotic zeal with an almost religious fanaticism of faith, which only one of two possible outcomes is possible the total rebirth of America or her total permanent collapse.
A leftist America and a patriotic America cannot much longer exist side by side, and the greatest influence to fall upon the face of our country will be that movement which promises and convinces the American people of an American renaissance. Either America collapses, and we, through our cowardice, collapse with it, or we enter step by step into the new frontier as true Americans to build a new world founded upon a renewed commitment to American ideals. Then we shall see whether the strength of America can overcome the evil of globalism. This American Republic was founded to be a nation of the American people, but through leftist and globalist ideals, through corruption and deception, has become a faux democracy designed only to secure the political power of the political class and amass great swaths of wealth for domestic and foreign globalist peers alike. Long has it been since there has been given any thought to establishing or maintaining a state to represent the interests of the American people. The object has been to provide a leftist mob consisting of the most compromised and corrupt individuals with an object for their exploitation. A mob who itself has never worked, and if we refuse to acknowledge these facts, the globalist political class will continue their exploitation, for they are intimately familiar with the true nature of our political climate. Hardly was the first deed of America's betrayal done, the advent of the Federal Reserve completed before another betrayal was committed and another and another until all americans are left with is the list of betrayals committed by those sworn to protect the people from such corruption our political class can be seen visiting leaders all over the globe entering restaurants most americans would only dream of being able to afford spas hotels resorts mansions and yachts they serve america's enemies in order to perpetuate the standard of living they have come to be accustomed to the name of political swamp will remain with them for as long as history is to be recorded. Our nation was founded through the personality of brilliant leaders and by a people courageous enough to ensure their rights would never be violated again. Compare our founding heroes with the likes of our current political class for a moment, and you'll realize that the America of 1776 is not the United States of today, which sends our troops to die, then leaves them behind on the battlefield, who taxes our working class Americans and deflates their currency in order to launder it through corrupt institutions and foreign programs. The present day political leaders have dishonored those who have ever fought for America. Hardly has there ever been a period of five or ten years where more has been torn away from the American people and given to our foreign neighbors or directly to the pockets of our very own political class. We have been rendered defenseless to our foreign enemies with the weakening of our nation's military, and our American people have been left defenseless in the face of a corrupt political class, which can persecute true Americans without recourse due to the erosion of the constitutional protection of our rights. The leftists have made three changes in our state that have brought us to the pinnacle of corruption today. They have globalized our domestic policies, globalized the strength of our currency, and globalized the culture of the American people itself, thereby globalizing every individual American among us. While the American people were told lies about the globalization of America, it was globalized right in front of us. We were told lies uh, uh, by the corrupt exploitation of the political class. Through this globalization, Americans have ceased to be the masters of their own fate and now have been rendered subjects of the globalist fief. Is this the America our American heroes imagined? No, it is a leftist paradise. When did the ruin of America begin? 
when the political class sought to become the world's police while simultaneously seeking the economic conquest of the world. These two principles cannot maintain the strength of a people, for no nation can fight a war on two fronts, manifest a conflict of interest within itself, and seek to accomplish the self-actualization of its destiny. What then has the state become as a result of this? Today, it is, an economic, it is an economic organization run by the political class for the continued exploitation of the American people in exchange for providing insufficient welfare for the people. The state was never meant to be an economic organization. It was not meant to regulate business, outsource the production of fiat currency, or be involved in the daily business of our private institutions to such an extent that fascism prevails. The purpose of the state is to protect the sovereignty of the people, to protect the borders from outside violations of the rights of her people, and to protect the individuals within the violation of rights by mob. But our state has become something which protects not the borders, enforces not the rule of law among the people, and not only fails to protect the rights of the people, but violates those rights itself. If today the populist patriotism movement is thought among circles in America as being inherently hostile to the states, let me first say, it is hostile to the corrupt political class, as all great American movements have been and should be, and what is more hostile against the American people than the government of the United States itself. I regard it as one of the utmost importance for Americans to break with all of those members of the political class and their constituents who view our American destiny as intertwined with world events. It is not true that the cause of our distress has been entirely domestic or that the solution to global problems must therefore be a globalist America. Our problems are due to the mistakes made by the political class and the complacency of the American people to stand idly by and allow these mistakes to be continuously made. The state of things in America today is due to the work of men who did not have our best interests at heart and the complacency of men convinced wrongfully of their inability to stand up and do something about it. But Americans will awaken to this lie and those responsible for America's managed decline will be held accountable. It is a terrible lie to say that our lives in America today are solely determined by the considerations of globalist interests, or that our political class today is destined to exploit our domestic life to the globalist ideal, for as long as there is breath in our lungs, there is hope for an America reborn. It is false for us to say that the globalist forces are solely responsible for the American demise, for the globalists are doing what is in their nature, exploiting that which can be exploited, and therefore the fault is on our own leaders for allowing us to be exploited, for allowing themselves to be compromised, for betraying the very American people they have sworn to protect. It is a problem made in America, and it is a problem which can only be corrected in America. There are two closely related factors which historically have culminated in a nation's decline. The first factor is that the value of a nation's personality and those individuals within it are gradually eroded by the notion of the supremacy of numbers. The fallacy that which is most popular is most true. Thus, we have the blossoming of democratic ideals that supersede the value of individual rights and individual accomplishment, even going so far as to hold those individuals who are most successful to be most culpable for a nation's distress. Globalism and democracy are inseparable because all democracy leads to leftism and all leftism leads to globalism. For leftism is not a self-sustaining political philosophy, but one of exploitation and therefore has to expand beyond its borders until finally there is nothing left to exploit.
Democracy denies the value of the individual and replaces it with the value of the masses as a whole. Of course, this position is unsustainable, for one cannot advocate properly for the masses without acknowledging that the people themselves are composed at their very core of individuals, and therefore to subvert the individual is to compromise the masses. By subverting the individual in favor of the mob, democracy dismisses the value of the individual, their rights, and ultimately their property as nothing sacred to a person but something the masses are inherently entitled to instead. This philosophy, which recognizes nothing extraordinary or different among individuals, is destined for injustice as it holds all individuals to be exactly congruent in value. But they are not, for some among us are extraordinary, and our intelligence, talent, and contribution to society is not equal. Naturally, every special talent and every fundamental value of a people is rendered practically inconsequential and snuffed out by the mob itself, for the greatness of a people's is the result not of the sum of its achievement, but the sum of its outstanding achievements. Achievements which cannot manifest without the self-actualization of extraordinary individuals. So it stands to reason that a society founded on the disregard for the extraordinary individuals is a society incapable of extraordinary accomplishment. For this reason, democracy never manifests in the rule of the people, but in reality, the rule of the average, the midwits, the ordinary. Consequently, true democracy can only lead to the destruction of a great people and their authentic personality, their authentic values. This explains why the more leftist a people become, the more democratic, the less extraordinary they become as well. We saw this with the advent of the Soviet Union. We've seen this in China, North Korea, and other Marxist nations who have transitioned from great human achievement to the endeavor of mimicking the achievements of others. How many communist pianists can play Beethoven perfectly? hundreds and thousands, but how many communist composers can you name who write with the authority of Beethoven, Mozart, Rachmaninoff, or others? Democracy inherently leads to a people's entropy, and their entropy naturally catalyzes tyranny. Therefore, we must admit that the leading cause of tyranny is democracy itself, and America must never fall into the clutches of the mob, but must hold the rights of each individual American sacred and inviolable. Let us be a nation of unequal prosperity and not one of equal poverty. Let us be a nation that celebrates the accomplishments of extraordinary individuals instead of one that resents their success with a bitter lack of self-esteem. Allow yourselves the right to become your best selves and the courage to embrace the accomplishments of others, for there can be no self-actualization without individual freedom, and there cannot be a great America without Americans achieving greatness. We are equal under the law, but not equal in the paths that destiny has laid before us. We each have our own path of various outcomes, but we share one American path, the path toward American greatness. From the earliest memories of our childhood, we can recall having dreams for what the future would entail for us. We are born with the inherent belief that there is something truly special about us that we can bring to the world to make lasting change, that we can touch the lives of those around us and actualize our greatest potential. For many Americans, these dreams dim as we grow older and are faced with the obstacles of life. What once seemed within reach now seems impossible by the debt we are saddled with, the upward mobility in our careers that is nowhere to be found, and the burden of necessity that comes to be a priority over the vision for ourselves that is ideal. This self-actualization has not yet been rendered impossible by leftist policies in America, but Americans have been rendered hopeless out of the cultural impact that we have allowed leftists to have on our morale. We are told that the world is divided into the oppressor versus the oppressed and that our status in life is a product of our environment rather than how we respond to it. 
We are told that if we are poor, it is because we are the victims of injustice and there is nothing we can do to overcome adversity, but demand that those who have achieved power and success be brought to justice. This constant saturation of doubt and hopelessness has rendered Americans not only to a point of losing all faith in our great country, but to losing all faith in themselves. We look around and see the powerful and the powerless and forget the sacred truth that no matter the external circumstances, we can still seize complete power over self. Self-actualization is the manifestation of an individual's full potential. It is achieved only when we meet our physiological needs, our safety needs, a sense of love and belonging, and finally self-esteem. The leftist movement has rendered self-actualization nearly impossible by making the basic necessities more and more difficult to attain through the inflation of our dollar and the increased dependence on the state. Leftism has made our communities more dangerous so that we are in constant increased fear of personal security through the disarmament of our urban citizens. They weakened our sense of job security by continuously disrupting the economy and inserting wokeism in the workplace, restricted the production of American resources in the name of environmentalism, made access to healthcare more difficult through sweeping healthcare reforms, and property so expensive as to be nearly impossible to afford through property tax, inflation, and an artificial reduction in the housing supply by decreasing the efficiency of the supply chain and inflating the cost of domestic labor. The left has directly attacked our individual American sense of love and belonging by shaming the patriotism out of the hearts of children, dividing us by race and class, and making us to feel inherently evil by virtue of the very land we occupy, calling us colonizers, privileged, bigoted, and merely outcomes of the patriarchy. They have crippled our sense of self-esteem by convincing us that the individual is merely an entity meant for sacrifice to the greater good, to the collectivist whole, to the community, to the masses, the mob. They have convinced us that all that is good about us is a product of privilege and that nothing we accomplish is our own to proudly claim. For every American, this can end in a moment. The moment he or she realizes the lie of the leftist. If one American has the audacity to deny the great lie that is instilled in us by the neo-leftists in our culture, then this American can immediately free himself of the shackles of shame. The leftist tends to hate anything that appears to be good, strong, or successful. They hate America and virtually all aspects of Western civilization, including logic, reason, and even science itself. They say they hate these things because of the West's history of injustice, but in reality, all of the Marxist nations have exhibited the vices of Western civilization tenfold. And so this cannot be the real reason for the leftist's hate for America and the American individual. The real hate for America is because it has been strong, and their bitterness is the manifestation of their deep insecurity and lack of self-esteem. The leftist does not believe in self-esteem, but collective sensitivity. They do not believe in self-reliance, but social safety nets, not optimism, but hopelessness, and they cannot fathom the individual finding strength from within, for they have relied on external sources for their own sense of worth for so long that the notion strength can be found within is utterly offensive to them, as it implies their entire worldview is the inversion of reality itself and therefore unsustainable. Their shame being boundless, they cannot tolerate anything that directs their vision inward, for they know they have nothing within but an abyss of self-hatred. And so they hate you, so they don't have to hate themselves.
Contemporary leftists focus on abstract art because objective reality is something they find deeply offensive. Their philosophies dismiss objective reality and personal accountability. For the leftist, everything must be relative, for if all reality is subjective, then they never have to face the reality of their own wretchedness, let alone put in the work to rectify it. This work being the very human condition itself, which they utterly deny. The leftists' arguments are based on emotional feelings instead of rational thought, for they are guided by what provides them with the greatest sense of self-righteousness and moral superiority, rather than what would unmistakably be found to be true, should they follow their curiosity of their minds over the emotional needs of their selflessness. They have failed themselves, and through that failure they have failed their country and all of mankind itself. The leftist can never reach self-actualization, for the leftist fails the first step, which is the knowing of self. For the leftist, knowing oneself is the most terrifying of endeavors, and instead of looking inward to discover his own soul, the leftist looks outward to define himself relative to the rest of society. This is why the leftist's the leftist is often lost, unfulfilled, lonely, and bitter, and the only immediate alleviation the leftist gets from their anguish is to offload it on everyone he interacts with, and the greatest ecstasy the leftist can attain is that of enacting policy that enforces this anguish upon the greatest number of people possible. To the extent that the leftist is empowered, the individual American's ability to self-actualize is inhibited, for self-actualization requires freedom, because one cannot become the best version of oneself without the freedom to live according to their true nature. Freedom is the power to have control over the circumstances that determine one's life. The freedom to live where and how one wants to live, to obtain uh, through work the necessities of life without the supervision of others, to clothe oneself and feed oneself, to shelter oneself and work for oneself. The degree to which the aspects of human life are controlled by leftist regulation is inversely correlated to the degree in which an individual can be free in that environment. Consequently, leftists Leftism is a violation of every individual's rights who lives under leftist influence. The, leftists ha the leftist has attempted to move America's emphasis on individual rights to collective rights. The beginning of this was seen among the labor unions and the manifestation of it today can be found in the rampant use of identity politics. Since only an individual can possess rights, the notion of individual rights is inherently redundant and the notion of collectivist rights inherently absurd. A group or community can have no rights other than the rights of its individual members, just as a group cannot be a group without the individual members within it. In a truly free society, the rights of any group are synonymous with the rights of the individuals within that group. The individuals do not get their rights from the group, but the group gets its rights from the individuals within it. Just as a person cannot attain new rights by joining a group or lose their rights by leaving one, the moral principle of a truly free society must be the advocacy of individual rights, regardless of group identity. Inherently, the notion of group rights implies that rights belong to some groups and not others, which is antithetical to the American notion of inherent individual rights. Therefore, individual rights cannot be the subject of a vote, something our forefathers understood and why America was designed to be a constitutional republic and not a democracy. The individual's rights must be protected against the whim of the mob, otherwise the degradation of American culture, prosperity, and strength will continue its exponential trajectory toward collapse. So what are American individuals to do in the face of this leftist violation of their individual rights? First, Americans must reclaim their individual sovereignty and adopt the principle that self-esteem must be found from within, that our failures are our, our 
own and that though we may never be perfect, we can always be better. Once Americans have reclaimed self-ownership, they can begin the process of self-knowing, which ultimately guides each individual toward their own personal fulfillment. As we begin to live in accordance with our values and with integrity to our individual identities, we will meet countless instances of adversity. Face the ridicule, criticism, pushback, and abuse with courage and wear the leftist attacks against you like a badge of honor. For if in the face of adversity you have chosen your own integrity over the easy concession to leftist harassment, you have not only betrayed yourself, but you have betrayed your country. We cannot always choose the circumstances we are in or the environment that surrounds us, but we can always choose how we respond to it. This is the ultimate truth of individual sovereignty, which the left cannot take from you without your consent. If, if every American refuses to compromise their very self to the whims of the mob, then America uh, will be organically reborn through the very individuals within it who deny the mob any jurisdiction over their own life, liberty, or pursuit of happiness. Reclaim your life, and you will have reclaimed your country. Simply put, American actualization is an America that reaches the total potential of its people, and consequently that capacity can only be reached by the uniform self-actualization of every individual within America. This, of course, is likely impossible, for no individual can be perfect, and consequently no group of individuals can reach perfection itself, but America can drastically improve her proximity to its ideal form. Then we have reached today, or at any moment in our past. The question then becomes not what America must do as a nation, but what America must be to her people so that they may achieve the greatest possible closeness to their own self-actualization. A government is simply a monopoly on physical force. This force can be used for the just protection of rights or the immoral violation of rights. But when all is said and done, a government's power can be reduced to their ability to physically force a desired behavior or outcome. Since every individual is born equipped with a mind and a mind is nature's gift to man to be used for his own survival and prosperity, then the first function of a government is to protect the right to free thought and speech for without it, no man can attain self-actualization. Not only must a person be able to think and speak freely, but he must be able to act in accordance with his reason, to live according to his values so long as his actions do not infringe upon the rights of others. Naturally, that which a man thinks is his own thought, that which he says is his own speech, and that which he does is his own action. Therefore, that which he produces with his thoughts, speech, and work is his property and no one else's. A government that robs an individual of his right to think, speak, and act, and ultimately robs that individual of the product of his work or attempts to regulate his thoughts and actions is not a just government but an organized mob. A man's right to his own life necessitates a man's right to defend himself against the violence of others, and consequently a nation which purports to protect the rights of its people must be willing to defend its people against violent aggression for enemies both foreign and domestic. A government's role is merely to enforce objective and rational laws enacted for the protection of individual rights and the common defense of the people within its borders. Since the protection of individual rights is the sole purpose of a just government, the protection of individual rights is the only just aim of any piece of legislation. All other laws are an overstep and a violation of the rights of the people a government is empowered to protect. Therefore, the only just role of government can be divided into three parts. The police to protect individuals from criminals, the military to protect individuals from foreign aggression, and a judiciary to enforce the contractual agreements made between individual members of its society. 
An actualized America is one with a government that without exception carries out these three duties while doing as little else as possible. We have forgotten that our Constitution is not meant to be a limit on individual Americans, but is itself a limit on the government alone. It is meant to keep the federal government from indefinite expansion, and ultimately it has failed in that effort despite its many remarkable accomplishments. We have an American government today which regulates virtually every business, fails to enforce contracts, neglects the right to a fair and speedy trial, spends trillions, and has created a department for virtually every aspect of our society. The government has irked its way into our education via the Department of Education and inflated the cost of tuition by lending students inordinate amounts of money. We have health care legislation that has dramatically increased the cost of care, housing regulation that has increased the cost of housing, and an outsourced and unconstitutional monetary system that leaves the value of our currency to the whim of private centralized banking interests. A dramatic reduction in federal spending is the only hope for the American dollar, and this dramatic reduction in spending can be accomplished only by a radical commitment to our government's reduction to its fundamental intended purpose. The less the government does, the greater our people will become. The less regulated our economy becomes, the more socioeconomic justice will manifest among us. But what does the manifestation of this minimalist approach to government look like? The catalyzation of traditional American values. An America that focuses not on the safety of its people from the natural obstacles of life, but instead focuses on the freedom of individuals to respond accordingly with their own reason and will to those challenges is an America that will value individual industriousness. An America that focuses not on an overreaching government that involves itself in every aspect of American life is an America that values personal responsibility and accountability. An America that focuses not on enriching the political class through federal contracts and foreign interventionism is an America that esteems the honest accomplishment of individuals rather than regarding it with bitter resentment. An America that involves itself not in the cultural indoctrination of its people is an America that values independent thought and self-esteem. An America that involves itself not with globalist interests is an America which values individual sovereignty, and as a result, its people will accomplish far greater achievements than those of even the most impressive among us today. The most tenable outcome of such an America and such an American people will be a renaissance of American patriotism. Such greatness will America achieve that all who prosper within it will adore it, for the world will look upon America again with envy. It is through a love of the American people that we must commit ourselves to a love of self, for through our own self-actualization, we do a greater service to the American people than anything else that is possible under the sun. Through this love of self, we create a people worth love, and the American people demand the adoration of any rational person. Further, through the American protection of and adoration for the individual American, we empower every individual to achieve greatness and thus the reciprocity of love for the people by the individual and love for the individual by the people. We create a cycle of American greatness. It is through patriotism that we can become our best selves and through becoming our best selves that we become patriots. In America, an American cannot claim to love oneself and hate the American people. For every American is the American people and the American people cannot claim to love their country yet hate the American individual for the nation itself is the American individual. Consequently, the American individual, the American populist and the American patriot or the holy trinity of Americanism himself. For one cannot exist with integrity without the other two, 
and they are separate, equal, and one, all in the same. Thus, it is your duty as an American to love yourself and to love your people and to live according to the principles of that love. Of all the crises the American people have faced, there has never been a crisis greater than the instances of economic suffering our people have suffered. From the Great Depression to the Great Recession to the pandemic and the coming currency collapse, these crises are felt directly by our people in a way that transcends the more metaphysical issues of America. The American individual feels the weight of economic vulnerability on his own shoulders, sees the pang of anxiety in his own bank account, and feels the worry with every past due notice he receives in the mail. As much as our American culture is degraded by, left, by leftist ideology or our interests are made second to those of the political class, the American individual will not feel the reality of this state of things until these erosions of our country bleed into the economic sphere and begin to impact Americans in an overwhelmingly tangible way. Until individual Americans are met with economic hardship, they will not realize that the existing political environment is unsustainable and cannot remain as it is. Suddenly, the American people will take, uh, 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 take on economic distress and financial suffering and begin to awaken to the understanding of every distress which has befallen and gripped America gradually but surely over the decades leading up to this moment and the hardship of the days to come. We cannot respond to any American crisis solely with allegations of culpability to external factors, but these must. But we must understand that all ails that befall our people either come from within a people or come because the people have failed to prepare for, for and prevent them from outside threats. The American people have for so long been taught to view the state of things in the context of globalism and as a result are not inclined to look within in the face of adversity, but instead to search the world for the source of any distress they might endure. The result of this is Americans have lost the accountability of previous generations, which inspired them to take matters into their own hands. And unless America can reawaken a sense of ownership over her own destiny, then she will be unable to identify the most prudent response to such tragedies as they come. No hardship that befalls the American people can be overcome by anyone but the American people. And measures can't be taken or can be taken. Actions can be done to overcome these hardships despite the global political landscape. The hyperspending by the political right on military expansion and their side of the political industrial complex, coupled with the hyperspending of the political left on entitlement programs in conjunction with the crippling of the American working class, have forced our government to borrow money at an exponentially increasing rate, money that must be printed in order to be lent, and money that once is printed devalues all money which had been in circulation. The political class's radical spending has resulted in a phantom tax on working class Americans and drastically increased the investment returns of the political class who can use their insider knowledge to make strategic investments the American working class are not privy to or able to afford. This irresponsible exploitation of the American taxpayer is culminating in the inevitable outcome of hyperinflation and perhaps even a total collapse of our currency, or in the least, a loss of its status as a global reserve currency. The only tenable remedy for this injustice is an establishment of a new authority, independent of the influence of the existing two-party system. A leadership must arise in which every American can be confident in both the competence and will of this leadership to remedy the inevitable economic collapse of our centralized fractional reserve banking system. 
The leftists would have you believe that it is the oppressed who must rise up and take power from the oppressor, but this false dichotomy is a distraction from the true political dynamic, that the American class must cease to empower the political class so that the American people can become the master of its own fate, the captain of its own soul. We must accordingly proceed with a conviction cleansed of compromise against the forces which have repeatedly proven to be the enemy of America, despite their convincing rhetoric to have our best interests at heart. As has always been the case in American history, the greater the challenge, the greater the American people become to overcome it. Should America be faced with a total currency collapse, I am convinced the American people will find a way. In their heart, I believe they have already found it. The unification of the American people is necessary to prepare for the second American coming, an American renaissance, a true reconstructionism of our culture, our economy, and our institutions. There must be no division among us, no class warfare or racial differences, no bitterness and no subversive schemes, but a new American movement, one American party composed of true Americans willing to do the work needed to restore American integrity. Every political party that has been founded in the history of America has made the unsustainable error of attempting to only represent the interests of one class or another in America, to represent one group of Americans over the other, but never the American people as a whole itself. A house divided against itself cannot stand in the two-party system if at first divides America into the left versus the right has finally divided America into the American class versus the political class. The only solution is a single American party empowered by the consent of the people to enact the radical solutions necessary to overcome the radical problems and their consequences we face. A populist patriot party would replace the leftist notions of collectivism with a truly American notion of an American people bound by their lives and their love of life to the American ideal. This is the most important task of the America First movement, to reawaken that love of country and of self that America has too long forgotten. This unified American consensus will prevent the plague of globalism from ever entering the halls of our American institutions again. The success of such a political movement can only be attained through an immense effort, resounding conviction, and unrelenting persistence of will by brave and radical Americanism. The politically and socially disorganized American people of today, the leftists' so-called democratic values, will not lead to an American renaissance, but will continue to do as they always have done, to waste American time, energy, and money, and cripple our people in the face of all adversity. The coming unity of the American people gives me certainty that whatever duties demanded of our people will be carried out and that whatever difficulties are in store for us will be overcome. It has become self-evident that where democracy prevails, the people fail to be represented at all, and that the only thing that matters is who can most artfully deceive the mob to empower them. A political class inevitably manifests where the individuals are exploited for the gain of the political elite and the ignorant satiation of their masses. But in America, this will never be. The American people doubtlessly decide their own destiny, their own existence. They determine how they will be governed, though they may for a time have forgotten the sacred truth. And America will never perish so long as she possesses such Americans.